What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, has this year's edition of the Alabama football team broken the podcast? Man, I thought we were supposed to be three yards and a cloud of dust. And now I have heard a rumor that we have put our name in the record books yet again. And uh, guys like Steve Spurrier, they, they, he has taken off his visor and he has jumped up and down on it. Right. You know, I mean, you know, we've sort of grew up talking, you know, football and if this and if that. And, you know, we had some lean years and 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 that sort of fueled a lot of our passionate football talking. And and so sometimes it's just you look at it and you say, well, I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> well, and there were so many years that, you know, we love Biebs, right? But there were so many years that, you know, we'd leave the stadium and, and it would be a 13 to 7 game and, it would be wrenching the whole game, right? I mean, right. it'd be literally just palm wrenching the entire game, and you, you, and you'd be, you'd be done just at the end of the game as a fan. And so, you know, this is just an example, though, of how you know Saban changes with the times. I mean, to this guy's credit, the reason he's on the top of the heap is because you know he's got he's got a former Tennessee coach who is decked out in his coaching uniform standing 10 yards behind the the out of bounds right sitting there taking it all in and and i'm sure he's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and what other programs in the country right is going to have a former um a former rivalry coach right like one of our biggest rivalry teams we have decked out in Alabama stuff sitting there on the sideline is is yet one of your brain trust. I mean, like just everything he does, like evolving the offense and bringing in Lane Kiffin when, you know, no one else would have done that. And just, dude, this is why this guy's on the top of the heap. And this is why Bama fans need to enjoy this ride because when this ride, when this train stops, whoever comes behind him, I'd hate to be that person. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, you mentioned Butch Jones. One of my favorite things about Butch Jones being on our staff is that, or and not officially on our staff, but more of an analyst role, 
is that his buyout clause from Tennessee has a um, has a clause in it where any income that he makes from his next job, it's an offsetting clause, right? And so every every dollar of income that he makes from his next job offsets how much Tennessee has has to pay him off. So if we went and got another SEC job for a couple million dollars a year, then Tennessee would be on the hook for significantly less money because that money would sort of would offset. He's an analyst in Alabama making maybe $30,000 a year and cashing huge ass checks from Tennessee. I just get the biggest kick out of that. No, that is absolutely hilarious, man. It is. It's just like the Saban rule, you know, where uh, Saban can't go to high schools anymore. Um, you know, now, I mean, uh, now they're limiting, you know, they're, they're limiting staff size. Uh, now this year they're limiting the number of coaches that can be on headsets and the number of players that can be on headsets. And, and, you know, every year they're going to keep putting things out to try to put him down and, and dude, man, he, he just must have to be the most hated guy in college football outside of the Alabama family. In a good way, right? In a, in a competitive way, but it has to be like, gosh, when is he going to retire? Yeah, and you know what? I think that all of those rules, I think, conspire against their intent. If if truly the intent is how do we level the field, everything you do to make it more complex, it plays into his hand as opposed to away away from his hand. There was a rule that the uh, that the NCAA came up with a few years ago. And I don't think this was necessarily directed at Saban. It was just directed at big money programs. And the rule was you can't use private jets to fly recruits in. And the idea was that that would level, that would level the playing field. And the radio guy I was listening to, he had, you know, he's from the the Northwest. And so, you know, he would talk about what's that do with like a Washington state where that's the only way to get there. Otherwise, you have to you have to drive in, you, you know, you have to fly into Seattle and take a three hour car ride. Well, how the hell is that going to help their recruiting? And, you know, the intent is let's stick it to these programs who can do these things like private jets. And when you take that away, you actually hurt the programs that that sort of use that to offset a disadvantage. You know, at least Tuscaloosa's in Birmingham. Right. It's not that it's not that far. But imagine if you were hours away and you were much farther away in a much more remote and and you don't and you're and that's not what you're trying to sell to recruits but here you know here you are now that we've landed now we have a 4 hour car ride that's so much harder for those those programs to recruit and I, and I think and I use that as a, as an as a proxy as an example the more complex you make it the better you actually play into the hand of someone like Saban who treats the whole thing like a Rubik's cube. How do I solve it? And so by making it more complex, the person who can solve it wins. And isn't that what he does? No, that's absolutely what he does, man. And I think he lives for this stuff, right? And he always just enjoys, you know, trying to be, you know, one step ahead. And, and you know, let me constantly be one step ahead. Um, well, do me a favor and start on offense. Um, you know, obviously I gave Ole Miss a little bit more credit than you did. Uh, did not, you know, Alabama obviously throttled this thing down, right? This, you know, if, if the, if you extrapolate the first quarter, you know, they could have won a, you know, they could have won 120 to 28 and, uh, and I, and obviously they, they throttled back big time, uh, with, uh, even airing the ball out. I mean, they, they took the air out of the ball very early. 
uh, because they could, and and he was trying to you know be his typical self of of not running a score up. Other teams would have gotten you know easily eighty ninety points. Um, what what are some things that jumped out at you on offense? Yeah, eleven seconds in, right? I thought, wow, boys, we've got a we've got a show, right? We've got a live one. And uh, and then that quickly that quickly subsided, you know, 28 to seven at the end of the at the end of the first quarter. You know, I turned to my wife and I said, well, they don't get to 28. They'll, they'll score more points, but they don't get to 28. This one's over. And that's you know, that was the first quarter. And uh, and, you know, it turns out they didn't score any more points. And Alabama still, you know, still had a lot left in the tank at that point. You know, 30 to 49 first half points, you know, last week uh, against Arkansas State, Alabama had 40 first half points. Uh, I mean, there we've had seasons where, where we didn't have a single game where we scored that many and we're scoring that many in, in half of, of some of these games. Um, what's interesting, you know, I look at you and it starts and stops with the quarterback play, I think. But, you know, if you look at Tua, he was 11 of 15 and Jalen was seven you know, seven of, uh, seven of 10, you know, we talked about, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, back in the AJ McCarron days, we were thinking a perfect day for an AJ McCarron was an 18 of 25 type game. And wow, that's what the two quarterbacks had. Right. And so they ended in 191 yards and 85 yards, you know, quick math and in, in my head, you know, it's what 270 ballparkish. Um, you know, that was a perfect day for an AJ McCarron and we never would have trans translated that into into 62 points. That's that's quite amazing. Um, you can kind of take us where you want to on the quarterback play, but I think I, I saw a lot of good in both Tua and Jalen. Yeah, man. I mean, this this to me to me to me this is um, you know you have to start with Tua. Um, obviously, we we talked about Jalen last week, and obviously, you know, playing with Tua is going to make him is is going to help him improve. Um, I, I see a a huge uh, difference between the two. Yeah. Um, there is, um, you know, Jalen can start at a lot of places, just not the same place where two is. Uh, two is just a two is just a special kid. Um, you know, there was there was one there was one uh, situation when I guess uh, when they went up uh, with their twenty uh, eighth uh, point uh, following the turnover where he throws a touchdown pass to Irv Smith. And, you know, obviously he has to stay on the field for the extra point. And after he throws the touchdown, there's no hand in the air. There's no look at me. There's no I am the golden boy. He literally is just starting kind of like calmly walking over to do what he's supposed to do, his next thing. And and one of the uh, one of the linemen come in who's coming in for uh, special teams and comes over and – and taps him on the shoulder and spins him around and is like pointing to him. And I couldn't really tell what he was saying, but you know, I'm sure it's something like, man, you're the man, you're the man or whatever. But, but he, he didn't let any of that affect him. And, and then they, and then the TV scans over to pans over to the mom and dad. And you see the dad dressed with an Alabama hat and, and an Alabama shirt. And the, the, the mother's wearing a, a Christian uh, t-shirt, mm-hmm. long sleeve t-shirt. And when you look at them, after he has thrown, they've scored their 28 points in the first quarter. You would have thought they were you thought out you would have thought Alabama was getting beat bad. Oh, right. He did not look uh it, it wasn't anything about man, look at my son and look at my son and man, my son's doing it, man. It was like it was just humble and it was just like 
you know, expected and like, this is what he's supposed to do. And, and this doesn't surprise me and just very grounded. And that's where this kid's coming from. And this is, you know, my wife turns to me and she's like, you know, this guy is going to have that it factor like a Peyton Manning. And, and I'm not trying to put too much pressure on the kid. And obviously they're already talking about, he's leading the Heisman, you know, trophy, uh, you know, race at this point. But if this guy stays healthy, He's just one of those once-in-a-lifetime type of players. And Alabama, you know, these other schools have to be saying, how in the crap did y'all get this kid from Hawaii? How did this happen? Okay? Right. And so, and it's just, that just stuck out at me, man. That just, that you saw the parents and you're like, man, yep, this is why that kid's the way he is. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's sort of amazing. And, and we've sort of tracked through this, right? How many of the last several years have, have the – pundits been saying, is this the end of the dynasty? Is this the end of the dynasty? And everyone wants to re- be the first to report the end of the dynasty. And, and but now all the reports are, is this the best offense that Saban's ever fielded? Is this team beatable? Is this the best quarterback that's ever played? And just the reversal of the storylines is, is pretty amazing. And, and the reality is, gosh, this this may be the best. And and I was telling my wife before the game, you know, this may be the best Alabama offense we've seen in our lifetime. And 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 I don't think that's hyperbole. I think I think there's something to that. You think about Tua and and what's curious to me, what's going to be interesting. And I, I don't want to project him as a Heisman winner or anything like that. I, don't, I want to be very careful of that. But his stats, by comparison, will be pedestrian. And and the reality is he's never played more than a half of football Uh, and and, and all of these starts and all of this, all of this dynamic play, all of this offense, all of this praise. He hasn't played a half of football dating back to the Georgia game, uh, dating back, you know, last year. And and that's amazing, because if we took if we did not take the foot off the gas, if we truly got into a shootout, um, there's still a lot of untapped potential on this offense. We're not maxing it out, you know, a full 60 minutes, right? Uh, that to me, that is still amazing. I think, right? No, absolutely, man. And you know, it's a, it's a situation where, you know, this, this guy, the, the fact that the fact that behind the scenes, he was picking apart the first string defense last year, you know, all season in practice, right. Is why Saban, you know, he was something like 54 or 58 or something, you know, against, you know, against the first string and, and let's face it, right. It's, it's Alabama defense and let's face it, right. You just had all those guys go to the NFL. So let, let's, you know, let's talk about who just left that defense. Let's just talk about the entire secondary. Yes. Just left. And he picked them apart, right. He, he, he literally dissected them last season. Right. I mean, really, um, I want to I want to touch on real quick the the first third and nine uh, situation uh, where he passes the touchdown to Jerry Judy and yes. you know Todd Blackledge kind of set it up and talked about or or, or his his uh, his sidekick was talking about he was ten for ten on third downs so far four touchdowns four first downs and so then Todd Blackledge right got to be politically correct right you know got got two audiences here watching this game. And so it says, yeah, but he hasn't been tested on the road. And, you know, this is going to be his sure. first big test against an SEC defense. And I'm sitting here thinking, Todd, God bless you, man. I really like you. And I do. 
But I'm sitting here thinking, dude, is going on the road in third and nine in Ole Miss the same way as being asked at halftime you're going to come in in the national championship game and, and against Georgia? Really? I mean, dude, that's as good as it gets, right? I mean, from a pressure situation, I'm sorry. Nothing he faces this year is going to match up with we need you at halftime to come in to the national championship game. And, oh, by the way, we're, we're getting our butt kicked, okay? And so – that just shows you what a pro Blackledge is, right? I mean, he's like, like you said, yes. he's got to play to both audiences. He's got to, he's got to do his job, and he, yes, he can't just say, "Yeah, let's watch him convert another one." I mean, he can't say that, right? And so, I hear what you're saying, but there's a little bit of if that's the best you've got is 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 professional as you are, then I like it. No, I just I thought it was hilarious, right? Because he's got to say it, but right, right. of all the, of all the high, of all the college quarterbacks, right? I mean, imagine if every coach could like, here's my litmus test for this guy, right? I want to see what kind of moxie he has. I'm going to ask him at halftime of a national championship game to come in and play, right? I mean, really? That's like the ultimate test. And so on that play, I found it funny that they talked about uh, in the pregame that Ole Miss felt like Jerry Judy was the most explosive player that Alabama has. (laughs) But yet on third and nine, third and nine, go there. They literally, they they literally, are are you know faking a a all out blitz and and the corner who's covering Jerry Judy sneaks down and is just standing there like doesn't even do it like at the snap before pre snap he's stepping down off the slot and he's standing right there and Jerry Judy has nobody on him and I'm thinking are you serious and so then Jerry Judy of course who's a smart guy who's a good heady football player. He takes a couple steps. He realizes the linebacker is not going to get him. The safety is not going to be – is out of position. He puts his hand up. And then, dude, I'm sorry. You talk about – you talk about yak. You talk about yards after the catch, okay? And everybody saw this. He hit the guy on his hands 35 yards down the field, and the guy literally just had to put his hands in front of his nose. And he didn't have to move his freaking hands. Are you kidding me? That is phenomenal. That is that is in a class all by itself, and these three fre- these three now sophomore wide receivers are just thanking the good Lord every night when they go to sleep that Tua is their quarterback. Yeah, I think you know there's a couple things in there. I think you know I think so so you know Blackish says well we you know well we haven't seen this yet. Okay, well I guess now we have, and not only have we not only have we seen it, but oh by the way that was his longest scoring play. Uh, in in his career. So, okay, not only did he answer, but he answered, you know, in spades, right? And that pass was on the money. You couldn't, you couldn't have run down there and handed it to him any more perfectly than that pass. And I just want to underscore now, I'd, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know the Ole Miss personnel, like I know the Alabama personnel, but I can, I can tell you a bad scheme. Um, and a bad scheme is, when we knowingly say that Jerry Judy's their most dynamic wide receiver and we're going to run a scheme that leaves him uncovered in the slot, bad, bad scheme is what that is. Uh, like I said, I don't know their personnel, but that number, that, that individual, that player was wearing a 30 series number. And so that tells me was, is he truly a linebacker? Is he maybe a safety? That doesn't tell me that he's a corner. Uh, you, you know, that's, you typically don't see that number with, with corners. And so, He's their best. Okay, he's their best, most dynamic wide receiver. Not only are we going to leave him uncovered, but the guy that we're kind of being cutesy with that's going to step back into coverage isn't even a true cornerback. 
again, that's what I, that's my thought. I, I don't know their personnel, but just based on numbering, just there's schematically bad. Everything about that is just bad. And, and I don't say that to minimize Alabama's performance because that's what good teams do. Good teams take advantage of that. Uh, and then, and then just the execution of the play, you know, Tommy, if we went out and did that in the backyard, it would be hard to throw such a perfect pass. And so I'd take nothing away from what Alabama did that you would have to have, you know, what caliber of cornerback would you have to have lined up on him on that play to beat that pass as perfect as it was. And Ole Miss was like three pages away because they had a safety walked up to the line of scrimmage. I don't, I mean, if that's what you're going to do, then I don't know. I don't know what conversation can you even have on this. Dude, they don't have a Minka Fitzpatrick, right? There wasn't but, a Minka but, on that no, roster. But I wouldn't you, do you, but, you would, you would, Go ahead. You go would ahead. have to have a Minka in the slot who would be, who would like maybe take a step one way and go the other way to even, I mean, my point is, is, is Jerry Judy's young, right? But Jerry Judy has showed, some some football IQ right early right. on, and so right there, if you have if you have okay, how can I say it this way? If Minka was matched up with him one on one right now in press coverage at the line of scrimmage, right, mm-hmm. and you did it ten times, right, Jerry's going to win a few. Sure, no offense to Minka, but Jerry's no, going to no. win a few. Uh, so yeah, and this was no Minka. Is where I'm going with that. No, I'm right there with you. There's not a Minka Fitzpatrick in the state of Mississippi. And 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 even if it were a Minka Fitzpatrick, you don't you don't walk him up to the line of scrimmage. You don't get cutesy pants with the most dynamic receiver. If that's their second or third receiver and you and you think maybe you can bait them into a bad decision, okay, we can have that conversation. But when you take the best receiver on a dynamic offense, then then you don't get cutesy pants like that. I, we, we would not have done our, or, or how angry or frustrated would we be if we had done that with their, you know, D, DK Metcalf or, you know, the, the AJ, uh, not AJ Green, but their, their top, their top flight receiver. I mean, they've got three top shelf receivers. I don't, I don't think we would have done that with any of them. And, and we did not, we did not do that on a single play to your point. Right. A single play. And so, yeah. so I get like schematically what I, like I get it. In high school, I get it against a maybe a bad offensive team with with a ba- with with a lazy quarterback that you can sort of bait them into something with a receiver that is more likely to run an inside slant or curl, but not someone that's gonna that that can clearly line up and beat you on a post. Like, oh, you're gonna leave me uncovered? Oh, well, we all see this, so the play call has changed in everyone's head. He's uncovered in the slot. That's an automatic nine route, right? You know, I mean. Right. And then no, absolutely. And, and, and if he's off the line in a dead sprint, it's almost like Tony Jones, uh, Tony uh, last year in in the, the national championship. You can't get cute and like play the inside where you already have the help and then get your ass beat on the outside. Uh, and that's exact Tony Brown. And that's exactly what happened with Tony Brown against Georgia when, on that big when we gave up yep. that 90-yard play. And that's the almost the exact same thing, except for it wasn't an individual player playing a bad technique. 
That was the scheme. That was the game plan. That was the call from the sideline that we're going to walk you up and we're going to try to, I don't know, bait him into something, give him a look that maybe he hasn't seen. Well, I don't know. I think he likes seeing uncovered Jerry Judy running, running nines. No, absolutely. Well, hey, I want to rattle off a couple quick things and just get your uh, opinion on them. Uh, first of all, I want to do. Um, un- unfortunately, we talked. I-, I talked last week about Damian Harris and how uh, so glad I am that he came back. Um, and-, and just that—that's what's good about college football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that he got into the end zone and got him a touchdown uh, because I wish he would have gotten one the week before. Yep. But because of this situation, yep. because of the the uh, the embarrassment of riches that they have offensively, he finished the day with five carries for sixty two yards, and he got forty three of those on that one yard on that one carry. And so I just I mentioned here that I hope this guy gets a thousand yards, and and just like Saban got Ronnie Clark some love, you know, last year at the end of the season, I hope there's somebody on that staff who is keeping track of Damian Harris's yards. And and I literally hope at the end of the season that they know that hey he's at nine ten, <clears throat> and we're going to get him this hundred yard or this ninety one yards because we want him to be the first back to ever get three consecutive one thousand yard seasons. And so kudos to Damian because he had five carries. Uh, Brian Robinson got twice that many because Brian Robinson got to play more because of the situation. And so just kudos to Damian Harris because he seems like a good kid. He seems like a good uh, teammate. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope he I hope he gets rewarded for his decision to come back. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, and you even look at him in his his press conferences and in, in his demeanor and his and I call it almost like professionalism that this dude is as polished as they come. I mean, you can't help but just just love this kid. And 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 the fact that he came back, I mean, you got to love that, too. If, if you just look at him, his play, he's even more dynamic than he was. And you think this kid is better and, he, and his yardage total may not be may not be what, you know, what you would want it to be for him to get this record. And then you start thinking, well, how many guys on this roster? Um, and 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 this is not homerous because you wish everyone would get 100 yards. But how many guys on this on this lineup? on this offensive sort of juggernaut, like legitimately could have at any, at any moment, a hundred yard, you know, two touchdown day. I mean, all three of the receivers, you can throw Jalen Waddle in there, I think, and that not be a stretch. There's four running backs that could do it. There's at least one tight end that could do it. And I've run out of hand, you know, I, I need fingers and toes to count out how many guys that at any moment could you know, you could say deservingly have a hundred yard, two touchdown game. And, you know, and you think, well, that's not going to happen because we're not going to score, you know, 90, 11 points or something, but it's, but that's, that's how fierce, that's how dynamic I think the, um, I think the offense is. No, absolutely, man. Remember we talked a couple of years ago where this was the year that we, we, we've got the weapons and uh, and we should be able to spread the ball around. Do you know? Do you know who's really having difficulty watching Alabama football on Saturdays right now? <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of people would that would fit into that category. But All right, it's a player. It's a player, real quick. Former player, recent former player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
who is now playing for yeah, a team called Tampa Bay. Yeah, I got you, OJ. Yeah, OJ Howard. So, you know, OJ, he's watching Irv Smith Jr. And he's like, man, I'm so happy for you, man. But really, really? And so, you know, I just want to touch on the fact that we we had a couple of years ago, we had the weapons. Yeah. And, and, and we we felt like we did. And, and you know, the days of, of throwing the ball to Amari Cooper 10 times a game and throwing the ball – you know, to Calvin Ridley, you know, eight or nine times a game, you know, it goes back to your point real quick about what these guys could do. But, you know, Jerry Judy, three catches. Irv Smith, three catches. Devonta Smith, three catches. Henry Ruggs, three three catches. And Damian Harris, four catches. Right. And so you got eight guys catching the ball, but but they're spreading the wealth, right? And and And, oh, my gosh, this has to be such a nightmare for teams. Because because you cannot double cover, okay, three wideouts and a tight end. And and Hale got into the game too. And and you know, and, and I love their formations real quick and, and and I'll let you comment on this is that like I love the fact that you know you're you're splitting hell out uh in the in on the on the uh you're doing trips to the left, uh hell split out to the left when Najee Harris scores his touchdown, you know, to the right. And, and then you're sitting there putting Irv Smith in the H-back formation. And then you're putting uh, Irv Smith next to Hale on the line of scrimmage on the right. And then you're putting them double tight end on the left. Just the ability for these guys to be able to do what they're doing and, and, and Irv Smith and Hale being able to be comfortable being all over the field is making this uh, offense even more of a nightmare. Well, it really is. And there were formations where we had two running backs um, – you know, two running backs on on the field at the same time. A lot of time, a lot of times that was Jacobs and and Damian. Uh, there were times where uh, we would go single setback and Damian would be out in the slot. And so we've talked before about uh, all of these formations and and you know depth and, and quality of receiver, but then we never really maximized that. And maybe some of those players weren't as good as what we thought they were. That I'm I'm open to that. Because holy cow, these guys are more talented than than we've ever seen before, I think. And so, but but we thought multiple, multiple, this is gonna be awesome, gonna be tough to defend. And it never really came to fruition. And and you think, well, I don't know why that was, play calling, da-da-da-da. And and here I think that it, it I think Saban has evolved a little bit. We're willing to distribute the ball. I think we've got a quarterback that can distribute the ball, unlike any that we've had. And uh, and then I think the talent, not just the one and two, but the three. You think about receivers, the three and the four, and and you know there's just so much depth there, and the four running backs that could start for most teams in the country, and and just a level of of depth there. I do think that it, it, which allows us to be dynamic in a way that that we haven't before, right? And uh, and I, I think that I think that is exciting. I think you know you talk about sort of maximizing that. Uh, and I take nothing away from Irv Smith because I think he's really talented. I think he's got a career ahead of him, but he's not an O.J. Howard. He's not that talented, but but he may match his numbers this year. Yes, because, right, <clears throat> because he's got a guy that can get him the ball, right? right? And, right. Um, you know, uh, there's some other really good quarterbacks that that we've talked about in years past that you make players look good around you, Right. And uh, you 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 are a quarterback that can that can pick up and elevate the guys around you and, and make them you know look t- 
totally, you know, just make them play above themselves just because of what you can do. And you're, you're throwing them into space and you're not throwing them into contact and traffic. Right. And you're, and you're letting them do things with the ball. Um, and so that's just awesome. Hey, one thing I want to touch on real quick sure. is the, uh, is the offensive line depth. Uh, yeah. we, we, we talked before, uh, last week about how, you know, I, I hope that we're able to, uh, to get uh, to get Lomax back uh, on the you know in the in the um, in the rotation. Yep. Um, I will tell you on the first glance, you know, it's easy to say, man, the offensive line looked better today. But like you said, this is an you know Ole Miss defense that gave up over 600 yards the week before to Southern Illinois, and so you know you have to take that under advisement, right? When you when you when you measure this offensive line, because this was not an Auburn and this was not a Clemson front seven, two of the best front sevens in the country. And so uh at one point I saw Lester Cotton come out of the game. He was not in the game. And uh Deontay Brown came yep. in at left guard. And the other starters were in the game, uh, but he was the only one in with them. In a couple plays in one series, uh, he got beat handedly yes. uh, by uh, either the nose tackle or the defensive tackle, a junior college transfer. Uh, no, actually, I'm sorry, it was a nose tackle because it was number 95. And he got beat a couple times. And no offense to him. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to single him out. I'm just simply saying that, you know, that jumped out at me at, you know, I think there's more depth issues on the offensive line. It's kind of like we talked about with the defensive line, right? I, I guess I'm just going to say that some guys have got to stay healthy. Yeah. I'll say it that way. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, I, I think I saw the play that, that you're talking about. Benito Jones just beat him like a drum. And it's, you know, Benito was a guy that we recruited real heavily and he ended up going to, to, to Oxford. But, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I kind of watched him a, a couple of plays when I noticed that he was in, I was, you know, there was no report uh, that that he was injured, but then you know, Saban came back in his press conference and said, you know, no one was injured, and I did see him uh, on Lester on a special teams, and so I think that I think the coaching staff is you know directionally in agreement with you that hey, we got to get some reps for these other guys, and so we can rotate in a Deontay Brown and give him some reps with the starters. And you know, put him on, put him on tape, and and um, and give you know learning opportunity to him. I wish that he hadn't been beat, but that's something that it's coachable. He can learn from that, and you know, we'll go from there. I do look forward to seeing Matt back, and uh, I'm 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 doubly intrigued by that now, based on the conversation we had last week. And uh, I think I think it, it may be interesting to see. I think and, and real, real quick, I want to yeah. touch on the fact were you surprised it was Deontay and not redshirt senior Josh Casher, though? That I guess that's the other point I wanted to make. Is Deontay Brown the number six guy? I think while Matt's out, yes, he probably is. Um and like why yeah. not Josh Casher there, right? Red shirt senior versus red shirt sophomore. Josh is listed on the depth chart behind Lester Cotton. I'm just surprised it wasn't Josh. Yeah, I think I think we've I think you know through camps I, th I just think there's more upside with Deontay, not just for this season but but subsequent seasons. And so I think we want to roll him along. We want to develop him. Uh, you know, Casher got some run later, but I, I you know I think when you're when you're giving those reps, I think the guy 
the the guy who's closer in talent and potential upside with the starters, I think it's Thompson. I think or I think it's Deontay in in that um, in that role. All right. What else? What else jumped out at you on on offense? I just and again, I don't say this to take away from the Alabama performance, but that Ole Miss defense was just bad. Uh, you mentioned the Damian Harris play. Uh, not to say that he would have been tackled, but that linebacker was just way on the wrong angle, angle, and 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 just ran himself out of the play very early on. I don't know if he takes the right angle. It's probably an eight to twelve yard gain instead of a forty six yard touchdown, and and that's just, I mean, I mean you coach it because you you can coach it, but like in the heat of the game, there's not the, there's not a damn thing a coach can do about that. If that's what you've got that you can roll out on the field, then they will be in a lot of shootouts. Ole Miss will through the balance of the season. No, that's fair. I was trying to think as far as uh, any, anything else that uh, you did mention Josh Jacobs in the backfield with Damien. He was back there with Najee Harris as well. Uh, had a good um, had a good play for him on a first down uh, play that that he was able to get 10 yards on. Uh, good pass in the flats, uh, which was a good, you know, good use of getting him uh, on the field uh, in other ways uh, kind of deal. Um, any, anything else you saw from the offense before we do mini game balls? No, let's go mini game ball. All right, so um, I'm going to have to give mine. Uh, I want to give mine to uh, to uh, Irv Smith. Um, he obviously is, you know, a co-starter, you would say, I guess. It, you know, I guess he's the passing tight end of the, of the duo of them. Um, but just – you know, it just seems like he has really elevated his game, and it seems like he has kind of uh, picked up where he left off last year. And uh, he's only a sophomore, and um, just really impressed with—I'm uh, sorry, a junior. Uh, really impressed with him high pointing the ball at the goal line, uh, making that catch. Um, you know, he's one of those tweeners, right? That has that wide receiver type of frame, right? He's you know six four, two forty. And um, just really happy for the kid and uh, just think he, you know, just compliments these weapons that we have and um, just uh, glad he got a touchdown. No, I, I completely agree with that. I like what Blackledge said, you know, that that he goes up like a like a, you know, a box out like a big rebounder. He's going to use his body to help him make the catch. And um, and I like that. Right. And, and And you think of all of the passes, all of the plays, you know, that was a tighter window. Uh, you know, a less open receiver, if you will. And so two is not making all these plays because because there's no defenders. That's a play that's a hard, a much harder throw, a much, you know, uh, tighter window, increased level of difficulty. And he completes those just like anything else. And Irv Smith, you know, it takes two to tango, right? Irv Smith, we've had we've had tight ends that couldn't make that catch. And so Irv Smith goes up there, uses his body uh, to block out, and then is able to, like you said, high point, point the ball, you know, catch it with his hands, uh, you know, pinkies up, thumbs down, and um, and and demonstrated some of his skill set as well. And you think about when you have that level of skill set on both sides of the play, on both sides of the battery, <laughs> it's tough to beat. Well, and to your point there, they had trips to the right, right? I think that was designed to him all the way. I yeah. think he was the first read. And, but they were in good coverage. Was, they had good coverage on that play. They did, but it was a it was a safety which he had a height advantage on. Right, you had trips to the right. The safety was the lone guy on the left. It was a one on one matchup, 
and he threw it up to a six foot four guy where the other guy's not going to be able to get it. And worst case scenario, that would have been an incomplete pass. Right, right. But that's but that you know it wasn't like the guy fell down. There was talent that demonstrated on both sides of that that play. Sure, absolutely. Well, who, who's your mini game ball? I am giving my mini game ball, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch the bounds here a little bit. But I in in I am so impressed with Jalen's spirit and his attitude, and the increased level of performance, the improved level of performance. I think we're seeing this year kind of some of what we wish that we would seen from him last year. Um, you know, he, he you know he was seven of ten passing. He did run the ball a couple times. He's still a dynamic runner. I still enjoy watching him run. But what he can, what he is demonstrating that he can do throwing the ball this season, I am just so pleased uh, because we've lacked this in in other seasons. I'm so pleased the fact that he threw an interception does not even bother me. Uh, it reminds me of like a, a story that I'll show my age a little bit, but you know, early in Phil Simms's career, like the real Phil Simms with the New York Giants, Bill Parcells told him, I want you to go out and throw a couple interceptions today. And, and that's, that's so counterintuitive, but the mentality is, I want you to put the ball in play. I want you to take chances. I don't want you to play too close to the vest because we can't win that way. We've got to go out and put the ball in play. We've got to take our take our shots. We've got to take some chances. And I feel like Jalen, historically throughout his career, has has been too conservative, and 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 almost that was a knock on him. He didn't turn the ball over, but but he's not taking risks either. And it just feels like these last couple of games, he's taken the lid off of his own play and being willing to take risks. I think seeing Tula Tua do it is helping him. And, and I think, you know, he's like, if I throw a pick, it's not going to cost us the game. It's not going to be the end of the world, but it can be a development opportunity to see if I can thread that needle, to see if I can get it in there. And he threw a couple of really good touchdown passes. And the fact that he threw a pick, I almost celebrate it because it's him like taking a deep breath and saying, I can play quarterback. And I just, I feel really good about that. I know you don't, I know you're not at the same level of that same height that I am, but I just, I just feel good about what the kid's demonstrating. Yeah, man, you you and I are in different camps here, man. I um I that I think that was a, a really bad decision on his part. Um, I think that that is his inability to go through his progressions. Um, he fixates on his first read. Uh, you know, Todd even called it out after the play. Uh, he missed a read right across the yep. the the flats there. Uh, I think Tua hits the guy on the run across the flats and moves the chains yet again. Um, and, uh, I, I think Tua quickly goes to that read. He, he quickly sees that it's double coverage. He quickly rotates off across the middle, hits the guy in stride and off we go. And, um, and so, and so I understand your comment of taking chances. Um, but you have to make good decisions. And, um, you know, I, I don't feel like he should have ran the ball when he fumbled, you know, a week ago. Um, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Tua's yeah, yeah. going to throw an interception. It's going to happen. I'm not saying that. Sure. I'm just saying that Jalen's got to sit back in the pocket and he's got to learn to go through his progressions quicker. And Tua can sit there and be on progression three, and Jalen is still sitting on progression number one. But and, and, and so that 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 frustrates me. He's not a throwing quarterback, man. He's just not a throwing quarterback. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. In no way am I comparing Jalen to Tua. Okay, because that's an unfair comparison. 
I'm comparing Jalen this year to Jalen last year. That's the comparison I'm making. And I think that if you look at it in that lens, that it's easier to say, yes, his level of progression is significant. But you can't compare him to say, well, he's still not Tua. Well, no, he's never going to be Tua. But compared, no, he's never going to be Tua. Right. Yeah. And so let's just say that, right? Jalen's not going to be Tua. He's not going to wake up and like, oh, I get it in such a way that now I'm Tua. No, he's never going to do that. It's Jalen. It's but but when you compare Jalen, what we've seen of him this year to Jalen to what we saw of him last year, now that is something that's an impressive comparison, I think. No, I see what you're saying, but but you know the the TV camera panned over to Saban for a reason after that pick, and he immediately walked over to the quarterbacks coach, and you could read he put his hands up, and you could read his lips like you know what was that? I right. mean, I mean literally like. There, there's a reason Saban was three yards away from the quarterback coach and made a beeline to him and, and sure. looking at him like, really? You know, I, I don't think he, I, I can't read lips. I don't know that he said what was that, but it was an it was a body language like sure. that was not a good decision. Okay, right. and and so you know, I, I I will challenge you just a little bit very quickly to to uh, say it this way: If Jalen, do I think Jalen has improved? Yes, okay. I do think he has improved. Do I think the score would be 62 to 7 final score if he had been the starting quarterback the whole no. game? No. No, no, no. no. Nowhere close. No, 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 no. Nowhere close. No, no, no. Um, but but as far as his perceived character and his t- sportsmanship and his, you know, being a team player and all of what seems to be happening behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, kudos to that. Sure. Are you kidding me? There's a lot of people in this me, me, me age who would not be able to do that. Now, I will also very quickly tell you that when uh, uh, when he first came into the game after Waddle's 37, you know, uh, yard punt return uh, and we had the ball at the 30, do I think, you know, Saban said before the game it wasn't scripted when he was going to bring in uh, Jalen. Do I think they brought him in on purpose when it was first and 10 at the Ole Miss 30? Absolutely. And is that a bad decision? No, because that helps his confidence. Right. They brought him in in a short field where he could have success. And and I think that was a smart decision. I think he was probably coming in anyway, but I, I, I see your point. And, and look, I want to be very careful. I'm not comparing Jalen to Tua. I, it's, it, I'm, it's really more of a statement on Jalen and comparing Jalen to Jalen. So, yeah, I do, we don't score 62 points. It's a tighter ball game. It's a different ball game. We have more three and outs. We win, but it's a tighter game. It's thirty to it's thirty to twenty. It's something like that. It's a different it's a different ball game. Go back to go back to you know, and you can say twenty six and two over the last couple of years, phenomenal. But go back and look at some of those scores. This game would not be sixty two to seven. It would be more like you know, more like some of those some some of those other scores. And let me just say this because I've held on to this for for several weeks now. Um, there's something about there's something about Tua. He is just so intuitive at the quarterback position. Yeah, you were saving that till we could do one together, weren't you? <laughs> All right, that's good, man. I like that. Uh, that that's, right. I'm glad. I know you. I know it took a little while to come up with that one. I'm imp- I'm impressed, man. The listeners are going to be like just totally like falling off the chair for that one. I know. I think on that note, we've got to flip the defense. No man, it's all good. Hey, hey, listen. I want to. I want to first start. Um, 
a couple things. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, boy, uh, you know, all these teams have have tried to copy Alabama, right? With with the with the whole belt and the necklace <laughs> and the chains and you know the mops and the brooms and everything else they want to come up with. And so, you know, once again, right? They got to play both audiences, and I love that little segue. And I'm not even going to say what they called themselves because I think it's silly. Uh, so I'm not even going to give publicity to it. But I just love the fact that at the end of the game, Todd uh, commented that last year this do this uh, this uh, trio of receivers had six catches on the game, and uh, this game they finished with seven. Yes. So for all the pub and all the circumstance and all that, they had one catch more than they had last year, and uh, Metcalf had he only had one more catch on the day after his big catch. AJ Brown, who is by far you know he's their He's their veteran receiver as a junior and take nothing away from these guys, but um, he had four catches on the day and they were all in the first quarter and uh, he didn't get another catch after that. And so, um, you know, this, this base nickel, as we call it, Dave, um, you, 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 you know, you talked about Saban scheduling games on purpose for a reason and, you know, that kind of stuff. And here you come in with a guy that's got an arm on him and can pl- and throw the ball around and they got some good receivers and, Dude, I was surprised this base nickel did what they did. Man, I really was too. I, I expected, <clears throat> you know, we predicted it, right? We we predicted that they would score more points. I think uh, I think a mix. I can't remember my exact number, but I think my mix of touchdowns and field goals. I had I had Ole Miss on, you know, four scoring drives, and um, and they really didn't even have a single drive. They just had a single play, and in Alabama you know, promptly shut that down. It's, it's, you know, and I'm not mad at, at Savion Smith, but it's, it's hard not to have the conversation. Uh, it's hard to have the conversation without bringing him up. Right. Cause he was beat on that play. Um, it was, it was press man to man and, and he just seemed to get knocked off his position. And, and as, as DK was, was running down the field, Savion was sort of recovering himself to run to catch up and just never could quite get there. Got close, but couldn't, couldn't quite get there. And, uh, you know, I, I think Holly Rowe, Holly Rowe at halftime sort of t- took a, so he kind of crossed her fingers and said, you know, well, what change did you make? And, and Saban, you could almost like he, he tried to laugh and he said, well, we put a bigger corner over there. And uh, Patrick Sertain, uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, he uh, he came up big in, in Saturday's game. And, and I still like Savion. I still really, really do. We sort of repositioned him as – is the dime where we had, you know, Jared Maben uh, playing there. And so I still think he's going to get a lot of run. I still think he's going to have, you know, high value uh, to the defense, the, the balance of the season. But I, I mean, did we see Patrick Sertain come of age? Well, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that, man, because um, yes, he came in uh, and I went back and even watched it again to make sure he did come in on the very next series but you know what's interesting is we always talk about the you know the border corner and the open corner, right? And and what was so interesting is is because Ole Miss because they have three talented wide receivers, they were running a lot of four and five wides. Yep. And Savion Smith came back in. Um, he he got a lot of run in the game, but he always was the outside corner on the border corner the rest of the game. Yes. And and Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertain alternated who was the opposite corner. 
So it wasn't just Patrick Sertain, which obviously is more pressure. And so yeah. I found it interesting that that probably about two-thirds of the time, uh, Trayvon Diggs ended up being that corner over there on an island by himself um, with uh, with uh, Carter um, uh, you know, over the top. Yep. And Sertain was over there on the other side with Savion Smith a lot of the time. So I did find that interesting. Did, did you notice that Trayvon Diggs and, and, and Patrick Sertain was alternating a lot? Yeah, I, you know, a little bit I did. I, this is one of those things, and interestingly enough, we had we had someone, you know, send us this as a question, like, you know, how how do, what footage are you guys looking at on on the TV games, or you know, do you all all the games live? And you know, there's the the advantage. We said this before, right? There's advantages and disadvantages of watching it live versus watching, you know, on TV. And and one of, if not for me, the biggest disadvantage of watching on TV is the defensive rotation because, because the announcers are not going to call it out. Uh, they're just not. They they don't even call out some of the star offensive players when they rotate. So they're certainly not going to call out a nickel versus a dime versus a rotated quarterback because they're not even watching that. Um, and so in the stadium with the binoculars, it's, it's you have to intentionally seek it out. And and this was a game that would have been would have been really good to watch live to to get more of a nuance of some of that shifting. Uh, I you know Trayvon was still in there. I know that there were times where we we moved him down to the star, and then that could put him on a slot receiver. But then there are times, yes, where we put him on on the field receiver. Uh, you know, the field corner as opposed to the boundary. And and so there's a lot of shifting of players and personnel that um, it's harder to see on TV. And so I caught some of it, but but certainly not all of it. Well, I was surprised that Trayvon Diggs and Sertain moved back and forth like that and that Trayvon Diggs, to his credit, was the next guy up yep. to be that field corner two-thirds of the time and that he did sometimes drop down in the star. And so then you saw uh, Carter um, You saw Carter go as one of the two deep safeties because obviously he's running behind McKinney on the depth chart at strong safety, right? And so you saw Carter drop out of the star and drop, you know, drop as one of the two deep safeties uh, in the dime formation, which was interesting. Um, Also, also want to comment that um, you know, we talked about Deontay Thompson's range uh, before, but I also want to talk about Xavier McKinney. Yes, because yeah. you know they they've got a nice little rhythm going here, where Deontay Thompson drops back and plays center field, and McKinney drops in the box to be the physical guy. And and what's smart is is they're playing him like they did Harrison, and so they'll put him on a slot guy on third and nine. And they'll put him against a guy that they know is going to run a short route. He's going to run like a five yard out, or he's going to run like a button hook or something. And so they're putting him on a guy that they know is not about to stretch the field. Right. So they're, they're, they're putting him in an opportunity to have success. And because he's a physical guy, um, you know, it's, it's, they're not having to take him off the field to bring a corner in that they don't have because of the depth problems with, that we talked about last week. And so uh, once again, 
it's Alabama being able to just manufacture and and just pivot and 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 move with the situation, man. It's just it's just it's just awesome. Yeah, it really is. You know, last week we talked about Deontay Thompson and Xavier McKinney, and and we talked about you know both of them almost being like true uh, free safety types, and and we compared it you know to like having two ha ha Clinton Dixes on the field at at the same time. Well, you know, funny how funny how a week later. They both have an interception in the game, and Shannon Sharp is 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 out tweeting that Deontay Thompson's the best safety he's seen in college since uh, Sean Taylor, and 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 you know maybe one of the better safeties that he has seen, comparing him to both um, uh, Ed Reed and and Sean Taylor. That's pretty high praise for Deontay Thompson, a player that we have been high on dating back to last year, and Xavier McKinney being a guy that that we said last year would have a hard time, uh, you know, staying off the field and and played a lot in special teams. And both of these guys truly coming into their own this season. Um, that's pretty darn impressive. And, and, and those are two guys that we didn't mention in the, the shy Carter, Diggs, Savion, Patrick, Sertain, you know, mix up either. Right. So that's a lot of talented guys that as they all sort of nestle into a home position, that secondary, we knew that it would get better and better and better each week. I didn't expect it to take the growth spurt that it did on Saturday. Oh, no, absolutely. Just like when Todd called out on the interception where where Thompson and McKinney were both two deep safeties, right? And so the quarterback's going to look for the middle of the field as an opportunity on that play. And, you know, Todd was telling the listeners how, you know, at the snap, you know, McKinney, you know, breaks hard uh, down, uh, you know, he he basically comes down into the box and Deontay Thompson just reads the eyes of the quarterback and has the range to just float over there and make the pick. Right. Now, Shaq Carter was beat on the play. Yeah. Okay. And so had Deontay Thompson not had the range that he does, right, which is an unusual range, um, that's a touchdown. Okay. Because Shaq Carter had, you know, he had a step on Shaq Carter. So, so go ahead. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at just at, at, at them. I, while Ole Miss's defense didn't show up against Southern Illinois, right? They've got the weapons on the offense, yep. and so I'm just surprised at, like you said, how how they're coming along in the secondary. Well, I think you know, I think a couple of things. I think that <clears throat> you know, we kind of picked on uh, Ole Miss and their secondary, and <clears throat> for some of the schematic things that they did, and and Alabama did, uh, and and you know, Blackledge called it out on on the 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 show a couple of times, and. And we did. And what's funny is we've seen us do this before. And so I think we sort of baited them a little bit where we went with two high safeties. And so you think, OK, the middle of the field is going to be open. Well, at the snap, we rotated one of the safeties down to the box and one of the safeties in a single high coverage. Well, all of a sudden, the middle of the field's not open. And so where where we were maneuvering personnel to to truly sort of bait them into uh, a, a bad pre-read, their little sneaky stuff that they were doing only confirmed our, our pre-read. And I just think that's second level. That is that is not only better players out there, but that's a better coaching as well. No, absolutely. Hey, a couple more quick things I want to mention. Um, I noticed on the third play of scrimmage that Ole Miss had after the, all the euphoria of they've scored a touchdown and 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 this is Ole Miss football. I, I noticed Quinn and Williams um, you know, just 
beat the pants off of a double team on the third play of the game and chased the quarterback out of the pocket and the quarterback runs to the line of scrimmage and Quentin Williams barely misses him. Yep. And he sits there and claps his hands. And on the very next play, I see Anthony Jennings on third down just take the right tackle and just literally just throw him into the the backfield. I mean, literally just throw him with one hand. And and so poor Alex Givens uh, is 6'6", 297, it says. Red shirt junior. So he's been in the program for four years, and he's 6'6", 297 pounds, and Jennings just threw him away like a rag doll. And when I saw those two plays in succession, I'm like, man, this is going to be a long day for the offensive line of Ole Miss. But, of course, Todd's got to play the line, and he's talked about how both teams had a veteran offensive line, right? And so so that play of Quinnen Williams was just a precursor uh, of things that I'm sure you noticed as well, uh, of how, dude, he repeatedly, repeatedly got pressure uh, with both uh, beating the center one-on-one, and then when the left guard would help, uh, he had the speed to just sidestep the left guard who stepped in to help. He just he just shot the gap, went right by the left guard. Then he had the center one-on-one again and would just beat him. And um, he's another guy, dude, that, I mean, come on. Look who he's playing. Look, look who played before him. I, I didn't expect him to be sitting here progressing like he is. Man, you threw off a couple of sparks that I want to I want to play with. Um, so I I'll say this. So Coach Saban has changed how how we even cheer at the, at the games, right? There there was a there was a time. There's younger versions of ourselves when Anthony you know Jennings comes in and and you know gets after the quarterback but misses the sack. There's there's younger versions of ourselves. That would like, ah, oh, man, he was right there. He almost had the sack. Ah, and we, there's like a little bit of angst there. And like, there were a couple times I caught myself like jumping up from the chair saying, that's how you affect the quarterback. That's how you affect the quarterback. And I thought, man, I'm getting better at cheering pass rush. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> See, and you, you've been using the right terminology, man. Exactly. Saban would, would be very proud of you. <laughs> so, so I got a big kick out of that. And then, and then you mentioned Quentin and I mean, where'd this guy come from? And I, and I say that sort of rhetorically, you know, Jonathan Allen, a couple years ago, you know, was asked, you know, Hey, who's, who's looking good on practice. Who's going to, who's going to step into some roles here. And, uh, and he said, Q, uh, watch for him. And this was at a time, you know, this was like a, this was two years ago. And so it, you know, it took a little bit for him to sort of, you know, last year he played more of a role, uh, and then this year, wow. Uh, so if you hadn't sort of been tracking through on on Quentin Williams, then um, <clears throat> wow, he he is he is really impressive. Uh, what do you think about? I want to talk about the linebackers. So Christian Miller had his best game, I think. Uh, he's had some injury bug uh, when he came into the program. He's a little light, and so he had to red shirt and and gray shirt and whatever else he had to you know go to sort of beef back up. And and then he's had some injuries. I think he's he delivered on his promise Saturday. And then we used to have the Mosley report. Do we need to have the Mac Wilson scare every week? Man, maybe 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 so, man. I um you know I, I found it interesting about how they're doing their situations on first, second, and third down because of the lack of depth. 
and and you know you know you've got bugs and williams and raekwon davis and anthony jennings who are out there on first and second down along with wilson and, and moses right well then on third down even though moses is really good at rushing the quarterback christian miller stepping up allowed them to sneak a rest on Dylan Moses and yep. bring him out on third downs Yep, yep. because they don't have anybody behind them. They've only got two linebackers. And so Dylan Moses was able to get off the field on third down. Mac Wilson never came off the field on third down. And then you would see them bring in LeBron Ray uh, and Feldarian Mathis and Christian Miller. Okay. Along with one of those front four guys. And so typically it would be, you know, so so this is ingenious again, too, right? So on third down, they might keep a Raquan Davis in, but bring in a Miller and a Ray and a Mathis so that they can give Bugs and Williams and Anthony Jennings a rest. You see what I'm saying? And so so I found it very interesting how they were able to manipulate the roster on third down given the lack of depth, because you really only have a rotation right now of about nine guys, and you got to have six of them on the field at all times. And so that's an interesting little chess game that they're having to play here on first, second, and third down. It's it's a little bit of manufacturing depth out of what you have, right? No, absolutely. Well, we'll speak to this Mac Wilson uh, uh, scare, man. What what's your thoughts there? You know, I, I mean, he got he got on on a on a tackle. Um, it looks like he pulled something and uh, and was out for a play or two, and and just the way he was laying on the field, I was, you know, just like, man, we don't have depth there. And and he comes out and one of my favorites, you know, if you central casting, if you went to central casting for, you know, an old school middle linebacker, you would come back with Joshua McMillan. And so but just he's had injury and just hasn't in this style of of play. I don't think it suits his. It's almost like he's a generation late. Um, it's a different it's a different makeup of the of those inside linebackers right now. Right. Yeah, it's like back to the basket centers in 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 the NBA, right? The, those you, you, everyone used to have to have one and now you can't play them because, because you need a center that can step out. And, 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 and that's what Joshua McMillan is. I mean, he's, he's a middle linebacker, get in there and, and, and plug the gap. And, and, but that's, it's a different game now and you need to be more sideline to sideline. And so he was in there, contributed to a couple plays. <clears throat> I'm glad to see that. But I was also glad to quickly see, you know, Mac back out there. So I, no, hope, absolutely. That, I hope that we're able to, you know, our medi- uh, hermetically seal him, you know, during the week and sort of keep him fresh and keep him safe uh, and, and whatnot. Because, uh, you know, he's he has, I would say, gone down a couple of times this season. He always gets back up. He always, you know, I think against Louisville, he didn't come back into the game. But coach said that he could have. Uh, and so, you know, that's two games where, you know, he has gone down and gone out against Ole Miss. He came back and, you know, against Louisville, we, we didn't need him to come back. Um, and then, and then, you know, Ole Miss turns out maybe we didn't either, but that was early enough in the game where we still needed him. And then, and then I saw him playing late in the game and I was like, dude, get him out of there. Um, and then nothing. Yeah. What's up with that? yeah. Well, well, to, to your point, right. He is the nickel linebacker right now, right? Yeah. And his ability to, you know, make plays on the ball on on third down passing situations. You know, I, I just want to highlight one play where he was in there with four down linemen uh, or a linebacker that had their hand in the dirt as well. And it was a third down play. And Dylan Moses had come out and Mac Wilson was in there by himself. 
and he was standing right at the line of scrimmage. And he literally was just tracking the quarterback and watching the quarterback's eyes. And he jumped up and thought the guy was going to throw the ball. He had not thrown it yet and was able to, as soon as he came down, went right back up and he, and he got a pass deflection. And that's just, you know, that's just a skill set of his, right? Take nothing away from Dylan Moses, but we need Dylan Moses to do what Dylan Moses does. And we don't need him to have to try to do what Mac, this, this skill set that Mac Wilson brings to the table right now. Right. And so, uh, and to your point, Mac, because of what I just described, Mac is in there on third down every time. Yep. And so, uh, I, I think a guy, I think if you could see behind the scenes at practice and look at attendance, uh, I bet you you don't see him practice. I bet you there will be some weeks that he only practices once or twice. You know, that's not Saban's MO, but at the same point, we got to keep him healthy. Um, I think we've got to, and this is, you know, this is, you know, directionally to a point that you made a, a few minutes ago. We've got to find somebody that, and look, you're not, we're not going to find anybody that can immediately replace Mac Wilson, you know, per se, but who can step into a third down, um, you know, nickel linebacker and who can steal some of those snaps. So, so Matt can, can, you know, and maybe, maybe it's just late in the game or when, when we do that, maybe it is, you know, on, you know, the backside of, of the 50 and just to sort of steal some snaps where Matt can sit down and get a breather. Um, and, and, you know, four or five snaps in the game or, you know, early-ish in the game is really all we would need. But who can who can step into that just enough times to give Mac some some break? Um, you know, because some third downs are more critical than others. Right. And so and some of those less critical third downs. And I know we always want to get them off the field. I get it. But we also know that some are less critical than others. And some of those less critical third downs who can who can steal a couple of snaps a game that would be something i would like to see us develop no absolutely William. Well, give me give me your mini game ball so you don't take mine i don't i don't know how that works right because if i'm going first then there's the increased likelihood that i will not take mine exactly okay. so i don't know how that works um i am going to go Trayvon Diggs uh here's a guy that we talked about last week he he lost his starting role last week there there was some you know some thought Hey, how does he sort of play through this? And he ended up being incredibly versatile this week, uh, playing multiple positions. And he had two big pass breakups. One certainly would have gone for a touchdown. The other certainly for a big play. And so you think about how did we contain the Ole Miss? How did the Alabama defense contain Ole Miss? Well, Trayvon Diggs uh, was a big part of that. Uh, because success sometimes breeds upon success. If they had had another big play for a touchdown and another big play for for big yardage, uh, then you know that's how an Ole Miss team can start to to put drives together and build some momentum. So I'm giving a mini game ball to uh, to Trayvon Diggs for a, a couple of really big plays. No man, that's a good call. Um, I'm going to give it to Christian Miller for for what you mentioned uh, because obviously, um, you know, right now linebacker is a big issue, and uh, you know, with Chris Allen, you know, hoping to get a little a, a few a little run this year, and and Terrell Lewis, obviously, you know, doing what he's capable of doing if he was out there, you know, Christian Miller, you know, coming back for his redshirt senior year uh, was a huge deal. And uh, and right now we need him in there on third and long 
he he actually even got some run next to Mac Wilson uh, on a couple second down and long plays in in lieu of uh, Dylan Moses, and so he, he, we need him out there uh, to to provide some depth with with you know for Mac and Dylan, and um, just kudos to him for for you know having two and a half sacks on the day. Yeah, I think if you're an opposing coach, and 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 I think Christian Miller is a good example of this, and I think that the evolution, the development of the secondaries is another good example. You know, you could say, you know, Christian Miller or Christian Miller, you know, for his talent, he hasn't popped as a pass rusher like like you think that he could or should. And in the secondary, they're replacing all the the youth and da 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 da. And you think now's our chance to sort of take advantage of that. And if and if you're a coach, maybe if you're Jumbo Fisher, you scratch your head and you say. Well, damn, those windows closed quick. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, let's talk a little bit special teams, man. Uh, you know, un- unfortunately, Alabama had a chance to to attempt a field goal, uh, you know, uh, after uh, after they had already put, you know, 28 points on the board. And, and obviously, you know, he was not able to connect on that 38-yarder. It was good to see uh, Joseph come back and, you know, stick one later in the game. Yeah, it was. You know, a couple of it was like goals. a forty-four yarder, right? It was a good. Yeah. It was a good distance, right? Yeah, I mean, he hit. He hit. You know, that forty-four yarder, which was really good. Um, you know, he hit all eight PATs, <laughs> which you know, okay, we took week three to get all the PATs clean. So, okay, I'll take that too. So, um, yeah, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, do backflips over it, but. I'll take it. Well, I mentioned the 44 yarder because last year we had a situation where we were trying to have our punter, you know, yep. kick the long field goals. Yep. And that distance between 40 and 50 was like no man's land. And so for him to have the confidence in the kid to come in there and step up and kick a 44 yarder, which would have been good from 50 yarders, uh, good from 50 yards, you know, this team might need that at some point. So, yeah. And I think it was also, you know, the confidence to put him out there. I, I might, I might, phrase that differently and say it was a no risk situation. <laughs> you know, you know, let's go see what you got. <laughs> sure. But on the road, right. Sure. From 44 yards, right. We still need to see it. So, Hey, um, you're right. And it gives them, you know, it, there's a balance to that, right. That field goal we did not need. And so you could, you could, you know, sort of take the risk, but now he's got it under his belt. Now, you know, it doesn't. It's it's almost like there's no lose here, right? If he misses it, of course he misses it. If he makes it, hey, we can build on that. So, it's a no lose situation. We're glad it went the way that it did. No, absolutely, man. Well, you know, we we talk about you know the score in this game and and how things went offensively, but you know, from a specials team standpoint, right? I mean, this was this was a a pretty big day, right? Between a between a punt return and and a kickoff return. I mean. Um, that uh, you know, uh, poaching poaching that Texas A and M coach is looking like a good call so far for you know the 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 co-announcer of Todd Blackledge at so at one point and, and and I need to get his name here for next week so sorry about that man, uh is um you know Sean McDonough, Sean McDonough thank you Sean man we love you um you know for you know he even made some underhanded or he just made a comment about like you know another yet another thing Saban does is. He goes and poaches the best, you know, assistant coaches around the country. Right. And and so you think of this Texas A&M guy, right? He's been there for five years. He's known for special teams. And, um, dude, 
and, and in week three, this was a pretty good special teams day for for some. We we don't have days like that on special teams uh, in one game typically. No, we really don't. And you know, as much as there's still an opportunity to to improve, I, I do like what we're seeing in the in the return game. You know, you think about punting. The number one objective is to is to flip the field, and in in years past, we've done that with the punter. I think here we're going to need to do that with the return game. And Jalen Waddle, I think, is pretty dynamic. Uh, one of the announcers made the comment, you know, after how many weeks, you know, after how many more kicks, our team's going to just stop stop kicking to him. And I think we're going to start to start to see some of that. And Jacobs really seems to. And and look, he's he returned a couple of kicks that I wish he hadn't. Uh, even the long one to start the second half, it's almost like, well, that's unfair that Alabama comes out of half 49 to nothing, gets the ball and pushes it across the 50 to start, you know, to start the second half. You think that's just not fair. Uh, but there's there's that's more than just individual talent. There's there's schematic. There's there's, uh, you know, the blocking uh, you know, scheme, the plan. And I think there is a little bit of plan of, hey, we're going to take our we can take our shot against this team and special teams having what I would call a bona fide secondary coach. So much of special teams, it's pinned on the individual effort of their kicker and the individual effort of the returner. But there's a, it's a whole nother world out there in terms of the schematics, the study, the film breakdown, who against who and where can you take your shots? And I think we're getting, um, I think we're getting more of that than we've seen. I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. And I think that's that's just going to be an extra slice that that this team, I think, is going to carry throughout the season and uh, and will serve the team well. Absolutely, man. Well, let's talk about this next opponent, man. They gave Clemson a scare. What, what do you think about the Aggies? I think – what do I think about the Aggies? I think – you know, I think they're riding a high. Um, I think Ole Miss was riding a high coming into this game. I think Vanderbilt was riding a high. Last year, I think Texas is better clearly than both of those teams. I think Texas is better balanced in in the running game and the passing game than any team that we've seen this year. But they're not as good at passing as Ole Miss is. Mond is is not as good as Tamu from from Ole Miss. I also like, and you mentioned Banks. I like him being on the staff and able to tell us about the personnel. Uh, I think we're going to know more about this A&M team than, than a lot of other teams that we'll face because he will, he will be able to talk to the personnel. And then, and then Jimbo's another saving assistant, and we know that story, right? Um, I, think, I think the trend continues, Tommy. I think it's 52 to 23. Okay, so at least they put 23 on the board. Because I, I will say, when they played Clemson, okay, they should have won that football game. Yes. They controlled that game. They they had the ball in scoring territory like four times and came away with three points. And so I do think that this quarterback gives them more options uh, than they than they didn't have before. And and I think he made some really good plays with the ball. Uh, he he had some great receiver plays, so maybe that speaks to Clemson's secondary. We don't know yet till we get later in the season. Um, but you you, I'm gonna say that I think Texas A&M's defense holds up a little better uh, because of what they did against Clemson, and Clemson does have a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna say we don't see 50 for the fourth week in a row. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say this is something like a like a 42 
you know, I'm going to say this is something like a 42 to 17 game. Okay. And so I, I think the game is still not in doubt. Um, but I think, uh, and, and hopefully we can get some young guys in and get some rest to the, to the starters, uh, and get some more depth here. Um, but I think, uh, I think Texas A&M is, is gonna, you know, be able to, to not, I think defensively, they're going to put up a little bit better fight. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's fair. That's, that's sort of one component of the game that that maybe, maybe I undersold is, is A&M's defense. You know, I think that, I think it's, I like the comparison to Clemson as much as I don't like it, right? I mean, that was a big sort of revved up night game in Texas A&M. They've got, you know, they've got a really good crowd. They've got a really good uh, fan base. Um, you know, they bring a lot of future, you know, mechanics and state troopers all dressed up, you know, ready to watch them play. Um, I think we're going to, you know, I, but but that was at home. And so I think when they when they come to Tuscaloosa and a road game, I think I do think there's something to that. And I think that um, I think that their depth will be exposed. And I think this Alabama team may just be hitting a stride. And I think A&M is going to find themselves wishing they weren't playing Alabama on this weekend. Oh, absolutely. But I think having them at home, you know, is huge yes. right now. Yes, for sure. I do too. I do too. I do too. Anything else you got for the listeners, man? You know, I think we've run. Uh, I mean, this was phenomenal. I think. Uh, uh, I think we've run a little long. We have gotten some reviews on on the iTunes, and we do want to start cycling some of those back. Uh, people have given us some just phenomenal reviews and comments and five star reviews. We're going to bring that segment back where we start to catch up on some of those. Uh, you know, throughout the off season, we ask that hey, go out there and leave us a review, leave us some commentary that helps other fans find us. Uh, so don't do it for us, but do it for your fellow fan. And uh, I think, Tom, with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.